0: You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, good morning again, everyone. Good to see you all here today. Uh, We just watched a video here in Oakmont that describes one day to feed the world, and that's going to be two weekends from now. On November the 22nd, we'll be taking, setting aside, we want to encourage you between now and then to set aside one day's wages and bring it in that time on that day. If you can't be here that weekend, you can give electronically, you can give ahead of time, you can give the week after, however you want to do it, but that is an incredible opportunity that we have that lies before us this month as we are challenged every week this month to increase our field of vision. So, I want to invite you to take out your bulletins, uh, the inserts that are in your bulletins, rather, and follow along there. If you have a Riverside app, you can always go in the Riverside app, follow along in the live tab there. And when we welcome those of you that are listening by podcast today as we begin part two of this message series. And today, we want to challenge you to see the responsibility. Last week, we began this series by looking at seeing the potential. All around us. And for this entire year, from September through August, we're challenging ourselves through each message series to fix our eyes on Jesus. And so we're taking different aspects of that. This month, we're trying to increase and expand and widen our field of vision. And Pastor Bill began the series last week, and uh, he started off, us off by challenging us to see the potential all around us. And we looked at stories where Jesus talked about the harvest field, and he told us to go, he said, to look. Look out and see the opportunities all around us. And then he challenged us to pray about the opportunities and pray for people to head into harvest fields, and then Jesus sent out his disciples and his followers, and he said, go, and I want you to go, and I want you to proclaim good news. And so if you're visiting with us today, or you're newer to the church, maybe you weren't here last week, that's kind of where we were. And this morning, as we continue in this message series, we're going to be in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 5, and you can turn in Bibles there if you need a paper Bible. There should be some under the chairs there if you want to follow along in the notes. We'll put some stuff Stuff up on the screen uh, as well. But if you're visiting today, I want you to know how glad we are that you are here. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. And our hope and prayer is that as you wrestle with faith, as you ask questions about what it might look like to begin to follow Jesus, that you could be honest about where you're at in your journey here, and you could actually find some answers and explore your faith in God here in this place. And I'll be around afterwards. I'd love to meet with you down here around the front if you are a guest today or maybe newer, and we've not had that opportunity to... uh, To me, I would love to get that chance to help you as you explore your faith in Christ. Today, as I mentioned, we're going to begin by taking a look at the responsibility that we have. And as we think about this, we're going to be kind of focusing in on the idea, the concept of influence. And I think about the opportunity that we all have in every arena of life to be influencers, some positive, some negative. And I was thinking about some things over the course of my life, some relationships that I've had that have both been positive relationships where influence was good. But one story in particular that I remember was about a negative influence that occurred in my life that has left an indelible mark on my life 27 years later as I think about the story. I had a great friend in high school. His name was Sean. He and I played basketball together. We were both real tall when we were young, and so we were, the, we were the two tallest players on the basketball team, got to be really close friends. He was a Jesus follower as well. And uh, Sean and I often played tennis together as well. And uh, we would, very competitive matches, had a great time. We also had another friend. In fact, he was a little bit closer to me than he was to Sean. And he was a few years older. I think we were probably freshmen or maybe uh, sophomores in high school when this story occurred. This guy, his name was Steve. He was a senior. And Steve and I got to be friends. Uh, we were, uh, had some similar um, friends that we kind of got connected to. And he played tennis as well. And so we started hanging out. We started playing tennis together. And Steve had a bit of a temper on the court. Steve had a bit of a, uh, he would smash rackets, he would use some pretty um, aggressive language on court, and that started to rub off on me. And I hadn't grown up in that environment. I'm a preacher's kid, if you know me, um, you know that. And I was kind of a goody-two-shoes, straight-laced kid. But during this season, Steve's influence on me kind of created this little bit of a monster inside of me when I would get on the tennis court. If you've ever seen me playing, I still kind of struggle with it today, but not as bad as I did in this season. So I would smash rackets, and I would kind of, you know, use some language that I was never brought up using and didn't use anywhere else, but I got influenced there in that time. And it was just, you know, a few months over the course of a summer, perhaps. And so Sean and I would play together, but then Steve and I would play together. Well, Sean and I one day were playing, and his dad came to get him. And uh, he came, he pulled up, and he was sitting in his truck. This is before either one of us could drive. So he was waiting for Sean to to be done, for us to be done with our match. And he was watching this thing going on. And he was watching me and seeing me and my behavior on court. And uh, so, you know, we got done with the match. And I said, you know, bye, Ken, good to see you. And off I went, and I went home. A few days later, I called Sean, hey, can we play again? And he said, you know, David, and I will never forget what he said. He said, we can play again if you stop behaving like you were behaving on the court. My dad said that you would be a bad influence on me if, I can, if, you, if you and I continue to play together. And I will never forget that day as long as I live. I changed my behavior and I stopped hanging out with Steve on the tennis court and I got that behavior changed. So Sean, if you're listening to the podcast, I still remember that story all these years later. That's the power of influence. And the truth is that as followers of Jesus... He wants us to be significant influencers. And what he's going to read, what we're going to read today comes from Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus talks about in this Sermon on the Mount, it's his most famous message that he preaches... He talks about several things in the beginning of chapter 5 that really kind of help us to see what it's like to live a godly life. And he says, "Blessed are you uh and he has that whole big long list, list there. Blessed are you if you're poor in spirit, if you mourn, if you meek, uh if you're meek, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, if you're merciful, you're blessed, if you're pure and you're a peacemaker, you're even blessed, congratulations," he says, "if you're persecuted." And then he turns from this general, everybody's blessed, to using a very specific phrase. He says, you. And he changes the whole context here, and he gets very specific to those early followers and to you and I today as we think about our influence in this world, whether positive or negative. So look at what he says as he looks through verses 13 through 16 here. I want you to notice what he says. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, or in other words, it becomes tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house." It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus says we are to be significant influencers. God's plan to reach this world is not angels, it's not skywriting, and it's not an audible voice. It's you and me. Now, If you're not a follower of Jesus, if somebody invited you and you're investigating faith and you're kind of exploring all of this, the people around you may or may not have been good influencers on you who claim to be followers of Christ. So if you're sitting there today and you're not yet following, but you're kind of asking some questions, you can sit back and you can watch everybody else squirm. Okay, If you're not following Jesus yet, if you're still asking questions, you get to sit back and you get to see how we're doing at influencing this world for the cause of Jesus and to help other people find and to follow him. You and I, we all have people that we can influence positively, people that we work with, people that we go to school with on our campuses, friends, family members, coaches, teachers, students. We all have the opportunity, no matter where we find ourselves, in every interaction to be positive influencers or to be negative influencers. And I got some news for you today. God's plan to influence this world includes you whether or not you like it or not. You don't get out of this. In fact, he says we're going to influence this world in two ways. He mentions an indirect approach and he mentions a direct approach. The first thing he says is that we are the salt of the earth. We're an indirect, this is an indirect way that we influence the world around us. He says we are salt. Now, how many of you like to put a lot of salt on your food? Let me see your hands. Okay, see you at the doctor's office not long from now, I'm sure. All right, so salt does a lot of things. It flavors food. Um, Salt, when it gets into wounds, it stings a little bit. Uh, It makes us thirsty. But I think the primary illustration that Jesus is trying to drive home here in these verses is that it is to be a preserving agent. And in the culture of Jesus, newsflash, they had not yet figured out refrigeration. So in his time, they used salt to help pack their fish and their meat to be able to allow it to go on for, and be able to be um, preserved over the course of time. So Jesus says that in the environments that you're in, you are a preservative. Not if you're salt. He says you are the salt of the earth. Notice the macro level, big picture here. He says, you're the salt of the earth. And Jesus says that when we live by his kingdom principles, we will have a preserving influence, those around us. We are to preserve godliness in a decaying world. And we do that here. We do that in our surrounding community. And as we just saw, we do this around the globe. We have opportunities every day to be positive influencers, to be significant influencers Just as salt keeps meat from rotting, from decaying, what if your very presence demanded significant influence that changed the people around you? What if your presence in your company changed how they did business? What if they were cutting corners and because you were there, because you were a man or a woman of integrity, things changed? What if when your friends got together and they were going to go do something that really wasn't honoring to God, they changed their plans just because you were there with them? What if they were to tell an off-color joke? Anybody ever have this happen to you? Happens to me all the time as a pastor. But hopefully, you know, you guys are, you have this same experience too. They start to say something and then it, on the tennis court, happens constantly. Oh, sorry, David, I know you're a pastor. but Just be real and just, you know, do what you're going to do. But I'm going to try to influence in a positive way. I want to be a significant influencer. So people change the way they talk or they change what they're going to do. Maybe they're in a a situation where there's all this gossip happening, but they know you don't behave like that. They know that you don't laugh at those kinds of jokes. They know that you don't do those kinds of things. And because of your influence, not that you're a jerk, not that you're lording it over people or condemning people by your life, but you are influencing by the way that you live your life for positive influence in this world. So he says we have this indirect way through salt, but then he also says, you know what? You're the light of the world, and there will be a direct way that you will influence this world. Salt speaks to our nature. Light speaks to our purpose. Not if we're light, but we will be light in this dark world. We are to throw light And we are to lead people to the light. Jesus said of himself, I'm the light of the world. Our responsibility as his followers is to influence in a way that shows this world that we belong to him. Light means that you will have to directly and openly proclaim good news. And that good news, if you're asking about that, if you're exploring and investigating Jesus, that good news is simply this. We're broken. It starts with bad news. We're broken. We're messed up. We need rescuing. We need healing. We need redemption. We need salvation. And we're empty and we're in darkness. And Jesus came into this world to be light. And he came to give himself at the cross for you and for me. And nobody in this room, Christian, exploring Christian life, would claim that they are perfect. But there was one. There is one in Jesus who gave his life for us that we might have eternal life. And you put your faith in him and you step out of that darkness into light. And so you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to be light in this world. And we share our story as a part of light. We say, you know what? Here's what I was like. My life was like this I was messed up. I was broken. I was lost. I was hurting. I was in need. I needed rescued. I was in darkness and I came to a place where that cross made all the difference in the world and that man hung on that cross for me. And then, here's what my life is like now. And no, I'm not yet perfect, but I am in process, but I want you to experience the same light that I experienced at the cross. That's what it's like to be light in everyday worlds that you find yourselves in. Now, you've all gone through things. You've all had weaknesses and failures And signature sins, what John Ortberg calls a signature sin, stuff that we wrestle with, use those things to be light. Use those things when the time comes to share. Now, a big question I get often when I'm talking about this, and notice notice there's a progression here that Jesus says. He says, you're the light of the world. So there's this corporate macro level idea. And then he says, you're also a city on a hill. So we're going to have a neighborhood idea here. This is the idea that we are light in our neighborhoods. And then he says, you're a lamp in a home where your family can see you. So you are to be light in your family, in your neighborhood, and around this world by the way that we live. And when we do all of this together, when we all give, we all serve, we all go on trips, we do whatever it is that we do, that's where it experiences. Uh, people experience it around the globe. Now, people ask me all the time, how do you know... David, how do I know if I should, you know, be salt in a situation, if I ought to just be living a life of integrity and honor and and, and glorifying God and helping this world to not decay by my preserving influence? Or how should I be, you know, how do I know if I should do that or if I should be light and actually say something? And here's my answer. Don't miss this. Wake up the person next to you if they're asleep. You guess. No, I'm just kidding. No, here's the answer. On Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you do the direct approach. On Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, you do the indirect approach. And then on Sundays, you take the day off, and I'll handle it for you, okay? (laughs) No, none of those things. That's not it. You have to learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And you have to do this a little bit and try and make some mistakes along the way. But that's why Jesus said to his first disciples, he said, you know what, I want you to go and I want you to be light in this dark world to everyone. But don't you dare start until the power of the Holy Spirit has enabled you, until you have been filled with God's Spirit. And we know the story in Acts chapter two. If you're new to the Bible, you can go and you can read there. Acts chapter two talks all about this, where they began by being filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues and God was doing a tremendous powerful work in them And then they launched out around the world to bring this good news that we are still called today. So that's why it's so important that we be equipped and empowered and enabled by God's Holy Spirit to be able to live as salt and live as light. Now, Jesus also mentions, as we talked about last week, that we are to go, and when we go, we look for people of peace. So if every time you're light in a situation, you're in a fight, you're probably not like in the right moment, it's probably not the right timing. If every single time you're trying to share your faith and if you think that your faith, sharing your faith is only on the street corners and only in, you know, a big crusade environment, that's talking about everyday conversations where you have built relationships with people, where you have earned the right to speak. You have been salt for a season and now you are having the opportunity to be light. And so Jesus says, look for that person of peace Listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. Look for those opportunities where they're hurting, where they're in need, where maybe they're new in town or maybe there's something that's going on that's out of their control that you can offer, "Hey, I've experienced that. Hey, I've I know what that's like. Let me tell you how I found my way out of that situation and then you point to Jesus. Not to you. to Jesus. Now, those disciples wrestled with this. They felt that same insecurity that we feel. And look at what Jesus tells them in Luke chapter 12. I love what he says here. He says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, it's not if they're going to be brought. He says, they will be brought. Do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Yeah, but I'd really like to have the whole game plan ahead of time. doesn't work that way. At that time, in that moment, you lean into the Holy Spirit. And if you read the book of Acts, that's exactly what they did. Time after time after time when they were called in, when they were charged with insubordination and with ruining Judaism, ruining the religious establishment and bringing this new message, this good news of Jesus and a cross the Holy Spirit helped them time and time and time again. And if you have been salt long enough and you have been light long enough, you understand that it often doesn't come until the last possible moment and then the Holy Spirit shows up, he helps you, you get through the conversation and then you gain some boldness, you gain some courage. Right. And so the, the first step for some of us is that we've been in dark places far too long and we've never said anything. We've tried the quiet approach of just living a life of integrity. And that's part of it. That's the salt part of it. But there's more to it. You and I have to be light. Now, Jesus also mentions the fact that we are going to face some obstacles along the way. He mentions two of them in those verses. Some problems, some threats along the way, some challenges. He said, first of all, that we're going to struggle with our purity. Look at what he... Notice what he says there in verse 13. But if the salt... Loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? No longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled. Now, if you're a person that's exploring faith in Jesus, you may have seen his followers lose their saltiness along the way. And that might be an excuse that you have used. To say, you know what, if that's what a Christian's like, if, if that over there is what Jesus' following is, I don't want to have anything to do with that because you have, you have confused Jesus with his followers. And he says right there that we will struggle with our purity. The salt in Palestine at that time was brought from the Dead Sea. And it had to be pure. The only way that it would preserve in situations where they needed it to preserve was if it was pure, unadulterated salt. If it had other minerals or other things in it, the meat would go bad very quickly. And so if a family found a bunch of salt in their home that had gone bad, they immediately had to throw it out and they'd use it. They'd walk all over it. They'd trample it up and they'd get rid of it that way. So Jesus says, we've got to be pure if we're going to be salt. If we begin to compromise, if we begin to tell the jokes, if we begin to go to places, if we begin to behave and think and act and cut corners and compromise our integrity in any way, shape, or form, the challenge of the indirect approach, the indirect influence, is that we will lose the power of our testimony if we compromise and we are not pure. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. You know... This has implications for how we use our social media. If we are to be salt and we are to be light, what we put out there, everybody sees. And if we say in this moment, hey, I love Jesus, I'm all in, and we post something else or we're on something else and that goes up there, we send mixed messages And we need to pay attention to how we use our social media in a way that would honor God, that would be salt and would be light. Now, some of you think, hey, I just post and that's light. No, you still got to talk to people, okay? It's not just what you post. You actually still have to have conversations. Those of you who know what, you know, you have that sense of, um, you know, maybe you're more introverted or you don't want to have to, you know, say something, you got to lean into the Holy Spirit. And you're never going to have to be up in front of somebody like this to be able to be light, to be able to be salt. You can do it right where you're at, in your cubicle, having a conversation one-on-one with somebody else. In your home, having coffee, at a restaurant, whatever it might be. Those are your opportunities. The question is, is your field of vision wide enough that you're paying attention to those moments? He also says not only that we'll struggle with our purity, but he also says we will slip into passivity. Passivity. Notice what he says in verse 14 and 15. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put, a, 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 put on a light and a lamp and put it under a bowl. A light isn't going to do any good if it's not shining brightly. So the answer to passivity is activity. And there are a lot of you, as I said earlier, who are in dark places, in your family gatherings, in your workplaces, in your schools, in your neighborhoods where you have an opportunity to be light. And the the truth is that we actually have an explanation for the darkness. When people are groping around in the dark, we actually have an explanation for that. So let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. This little light of mine, you remember the song? How many of you heard the song before? Okay, I'm not completely alone. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. Oh, come on. Hide it under a bushel. Let it shine. Okay, I'm not going to sing it, but you know. (laughs) Let it shine. Let your light shine. So why are we afraid? Think about this for a minute. Why are you afraid to let your light shine? No doubt you're afraid of rejection. You're afraid of being mocked and being made fun of. Maybe being left out or looked over for the promotion because you let your light shine. Maybe it's, you know, there's going to be tension in your home, in your marriage, in your friendships. Maybe you're afraid you don't have all the answers, that you're not a theologian, Maybe you've tried a time or two and, you know, you you invited and you invested in a relationship and you invited somebody and they said no and so you just gave up. I think the stats are something like six to nine times it takes to invite somebody. And again, if you're here today and you're not yet a Jesus follower, we're so honored to be able to spend this time together with you this morning as you ask these questions of Christ and look to him. We get over our fears when we just take little steps along the way. And if you're so afraid that you might blow it and somebody might not find Christ because of one interaction with you, you think too highly of yourself and you think too low of your heavenly father. If all of a person's eternity rests on you and one interaction, good luck with that the sooner you can get free from that and say, you know what? I want this little interaction to create a preserving impact on their lives. I want this little impact conversation to move them along more toward the light and away from the darkness than you have done what your heavenly father designed for you to do. The last thing that Jesus says here is that when we influence well, he gets the glory. Our heavenly Father, God in heaven, gets the going. Look at what he says. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Why do we let our light shine? So that our heavenly Father may be glorified. That is the reason that you and I were put here on this earth. All of your stuff, all of you, what you have, all of who you are is here simply to glorify your heavenly Father if you're a follower of Jesus If you claim Christ and him as Lord and Savior, when you do it well, he gets the glory. So, how do you do that? I want to encourage you to keep two things in your mind on a regular basis. It's a simple phrase that I've kept in my mind for years now. I heard it. It's not originated with me. I heard it first from Andy Stanley. It's simply invest and invite. Invest and invite. Invest in relationships with people. Actually genuinely care about people. Invest in relationships with them and then invite them. Invite them to come and see, to come and check out Jesus. And then tell them your story when the opportunity comes. Invite them to come and check out Riverside. We will create environments where it is safe. Again, if somebody invited you here today, they're thrilled that you're here. And they're so glad that you're exploring faith in Christ and they want you to experience that same love, that same forgiveness, that same hope that we as followers of Jesus have. Now, as you think about investing and vine, you think about being salt, you think about being light, and what do you do with what you've heard this morning? I've been thinking about four responses that I would have. Four responses that I have had as I've read through these verses. And I put them in your notes. The first three... Are for a person who says, I'm all in with Jesus. I'm going to follow him. The last one is for somebody who says, you know what? Today is my day. I'm going to begin to follow Christ. I want to begin to put my faith and my trust in Jesus. So the first one in your notes is simply, I'm different. Salt and light, when you get a hold of that, you say, you know what? I'm different. Not better, not worse. We have a different home. We have a different citizenship. We have a different leader. We have a different ethic. We have a different morality. We have a difference in how we live and what our, priori- what our priorities are. And our difference is our strength and it's what make, makes people want what we have. And we do not condescend. We do not look down upon people for that. We just say, you know what? I live differently. Secondarily, I'm responsible. The challenge for you today is to not only see the potential, like we talked about last week, but to see your responsibility. God's game plan to influence this world with significant influences is us, right here. It's an honor. It's a privilege to get to do what we do. We are to let our light shine, and we're responsible to do that. Number three is I'm influential. You don't have to be in the limelight, but people are watching you every single day. Will their interactions with you move them forward in a pursuit of God? You have opportunities every time. When you're thinking about inviting, I always challenge people. I always look for these opportunities. When I hear somebody say, I'm new in town, ding, 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 ding. Hey, would you like to come to my church? You know, I don't have a church home. Hey, would you like to come to Riverside? Here's a card. That's why we put those cards out. Every week you can grab a hold of those Riverside invite cards or I'm hurting, I'm in need. When there's an emptiness, when they're looking for something, that's an opportunity. So again, if somebody invited you today, we're glad you're here. And the last response, for those of you who might not yet have come to faith in Christ, you can respond today just as simple as it says there. I'm walking into the light. Today's my day to walk out of the darkness and I'm walking into the light and I want to be a significant influencer for the kingdom of God, to help other people find and follow Jesus. So, I'm going to invite our worship team to return, and we're going to take some time to respond. We're going to give you an opportunity to pray, to ask God for help. For some of you, you've lost your saltiness along the way. Today is your day to begin to think differently about how you indirectly influence the people that are around you every single day the people that you come in contact with in everyday life. For others of us, we've put our light under a bowl. We've hidden it. And we have not been shining our light as our Heavenly Father desires. For some of us, the longer that we follow Jesus, the less we are around people who don't already know him. We tend to isolate. We tend to withdraw. And our Heavenly Father wants us to be engaged in reaching this world with light. And so for you, your response may be, Lord, I want to be salty again. He's here to send his Holy Spirit to infuse you. He's going to pour salt all over you this morning. For others of you, it's time to recharge your batteries and get rekindled, get refired up again. Not to run over people but to, with gentleness and respect, shine your light. And you know the conversations that you need to have this week. You know the changes that you need to make to be able to shine light. For others of you, today is your day to step out of darkness. Everybody that names Jesus in this place had that experience at some time or another in their light. It might have been a moment, it might have been a season, but today is your day to say, Jesus... I need to be rescued. Jesus, I believe in what you did for me at the cross, and I put my trust and my faith in you. I want to step out of darkness and into light. And you begin that relationship with Christ today. You acknowledge your sin. We all are messed up, we've all made mistakes. And you say, Lord, would you forgive me? Jesus, I need your forgiveness. Come live inside of me. Make me a brand new person. I want to be a significant influencer that helps others to step into the light. I'm gonna pray for you. And then we're gonna stand. We're gonna sing. We'll have some people around the front here that are here to pray with you today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wanna just again ask those of you who are followers of Jesus, if every follower of Jesus were to live as you're living, would the world decay in darkness? Or would it grow in light? It's a powerful question. Who are you investing in? Who are you inviting? Who are you influencing? Father, I want to thank you that you have invited us to be significant influencers. Lord, help us to see our responsibility. We're honored to be salt and light. Lord, we acknowledge that we struggle with our purity. We wrestle with passivity. Would you reignite the passion within us? Would you help us to see the potential to look, to pray, to go, to be salt, to be light, to use our influence in ways that are helpful, in ways that are meaningful, in ways that are redemptive, And forgive us, forgive us, Lord, for shying away from the opportunities that lie around us every day. Help us to see with fresh eyes the potential and our responsibility. For those, Lord, that are putting faith and trust in you today, those that are stepping out of darkness into light, would you please rescue them, save them, help them to come to a place where they are full of your light, where they can be significant influencers. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to respond. Feel free to come. Find a place to pray around here around the front. If you need other things that you'd like to be prayed for, please come and let our folks pray for you here. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.